For the next 30 or 60 days, we urge you to play this record every day. Play side one in the morning before you leave your home. Play side two in the evening. If you will do this, you will start the development of those traits in your personality that will enable you to make people like you, believe you, and trust you. Podcast, everyone. I'm not spooky. This is NSA mod, and this is No Spooks Allowed podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Both of us, we have our handles in the description, and you can email us at No Spooks Allowed Pod at gmail.com. Also, NSA underscore mod. NS, or, that's, <laughs> that's you. Um, Feel free to give me more attention. Yeah, give him more attention. Follow him and me at not underscore spooky with an IE um so prior uh, to us starting we were basically talking about the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and gerrymandering yeah do you remember how uh, I guess we can't speak as to location but yeah um I mean we could just say like certain states that have flipped blue such as Pennsylvania. So, uh, well, I guess in that situation, they flipped red. For oh, they flipped red? In 2016, oh. and that's why the ger- gerrymandering oh. thing came up. Oh, okay. Um, and then, who? Texas is flipping blue, but I don't think that has anything to do with gerrymandering. That's just due to invasion. Yeah. Uh, migration. It's not invasion. <laughs> I mean. um, and uh, you were saying, like, certain states or how you don't trust like the redness or the blueness of a state because i was like where i met where i may be going to live mm-hmm. is a pretty red state oh and yeah. you're like i don't know how much i trust that i i guess to me it's like so for that one um i don't know if you were aware but essentially like for um obama like one of the things that he did was just like about like the redistribution of like refugees and stuff like that yeah so it's like it's why like like Minnesota is just like completely overwhelmed with Somalis. Ilhan Omar is how she basically got there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just because Obama redirected, redistributed, redistributed. So basically, like so, like he took them from different places and moved them around. So essentially, like any time that they would come in, like in all these like refugee crises, like we would take like a like a boatload of what have you, mm. and essentially just kind of for the most part, weirdly happened. They just like they all got distributed in all these like red states, mm. and it flipped in blue. It's basically slowly been flipping in blue. It's like how you gang Texas and Florida. I mean, like look at Florida right now. Like when uh, Puerto Rico happened with the that hurricane a few years ago, they basically just shipped them all off to to Florida. Interesting. So, is it a fact, or is it a reason that they're flipping blue because immigrants want free stuff? I don't think it's a matter of free stuff, it's just mainly that, like, because they control, like, all these organizations. I I would say, like, look at, like, Virginia and North Carolina, like, really, like, in the heart of, like, the Bible Belt, and it's, like, basically they've become, like, ultra-blue states. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like it mainly just because we've been just shipping like all our immigrants to these states and pretty much kind of aware that they reproduce by like the thousands. Right. I just don't. I don't know how I feel. Like I just kind of feel disconnected from it all because I don't necessarily participate in the political process. Mm-hmm. I'm just affected by it. That was another thing that happened this week. Um, my my pop, my teacher. He went on a tear about um, how if you don't vote, you can't complain. How do you feel about that statement? Um, I mean, I guess at the same time, like I also view the absence of vote as a like a protest. Yeah, 
Like, that's how I see it. But, like, um, I don't want to be caught up in the system because the system promotes violence, and if I vote, then I'm endorsing the violence. I should also mention, that is, if you were actively considering it and then basically said, no, I disagree and bow out. Oh, I was, I used to be, like, hardcore, if you don't vote, you can't complain, but then, like, as I learned more about the system, like, I'm just, I don't. Well, I, I guess I was just trying to delineate, like, the person who was just outright lazy. He was like, oh, it's cold. I'm staying in. Like, that person was never, like, doesn't really care. <laughs> right. Well, I care, and, like, it, it would be a protest vote, or protest to not endorse yeah. any of them. So, Absenteeism. I guess. But, um, back to the, what we were talking about before the show is whether or not we think the Republican Party is just, like, kind of rolling over and dying. So, in that example, we were talking about, like, uh, Pennsylvania and essentially that, like, they're, like, because Democrats lost um, Pennsylvania in 2016, that at that point they then basically started saying, uh, oh, like, we need to redistrict the entire state because, essentially, like, Republicans are winning. And if you were to look at it, essentially, like, the last time that the state got redistricted, like, was, like, around, like, 2004 when Bush then turned, like, the state blue or what have you. And it's just like, okay, so it's like you're, it's like, in these situations, it's like the, Republic, like, the Republican Party basically doesn't say, nah, what, like, you did it the first time and lost, and then we changed it for you, so that way you can complain. Now you lost again because we then were able to win the votes, but then at that point, it's just like, at no point do they ever say, nah, you can't do this. It's like, how many times do we have to lower the bar for you so, like, before we have to say no. Is it in the culture or is it in the ruling class that they want to flip blue? I think... Because the way I view it, either either party you vote for, government's going, going to grow. Just in different areas. So if it flips blue, it's going to um, grow in, like, helping every... Like, helping, in quotes, everyone... Um, and then in, if it's like the Republican, it's going to help like the military and the elderly. Mm-hmm. So I, like that's just the way I view it. Is it like the elites that are trying to push the, the flipping blue so they can gain more control? Or is it like the elites just saying the Republican Party is just like not working out for us, so let's just let them roll over and die and we'll just... Hey. I guess, um, for me, there's some point around maybe, like, 2008 where I feel that, like, whatever is hypothetically called they, like, the man or what have you... It's just us. <laughs> the sheep mentality? No, no, no. Just, like, when it's just, like, people are saying, like, um, like, they are behind this. Or, like, they are the reason these right. are... Like, that, like, proverbial they, I feel like whoever they are made that shift towards the Democratic Party in 2008 and hasn't left it. And I feel that in a sense, it's like, I I guess maybe if I were to like kind of do a little bit more research, it'd be a little bit easier. But I kind of feel that it, there's like a sense of like really wanting to deracinate the planet as much as possible. Like to try and kind of create like a Tower of Babel type scenario. Where it's like there's so many different languages in all these places like Europe and America and what have you that at that point no one can really kind of like rise up together. So then that way like when something is happening to them basically you have like 200 different voices basically arguing against you as opposed to just having like one homogenized society. Isn't that like counterintuitive to the goals of like the one world organization or one world government but then how like think about it though like how how would you prevent a rebellion disarm the, the populace okay that's one which is some uh, way that they go about it but like if there's no national unity then at that point no one's really gonna like stand up and organize hmm. is this an argument for populism or uh, I mean I, I guess I could say that but like but like it also need to be like an argument for globalism if we need to prevent 
But the, so the the argument for globalism would be that at that point, like, think about like Europe and stuff like that, right? Where it's in like, the EU specifically, or yeah. What? So like, if you were to think about like what France was like fifty years ago, like some like Parisian guy, basically standing outside with a baguette, going wee wee all the time, yeah. And then now it's like basically in your mind, I, mean, I don't know yours, but at least mine, I think of a Muslim at this point. No, I don't. I still think of the Parisian dude. Uh, so, like, Google... Like, I actually think of... This may be, like, um, stereotypical or racist. I don't I don't know. Like, a girl that doesn't shave her armpits. Oh. That's what I think of. I mean, I think of Italy in that one. Oh. Well, <laughs> I feel like that's Europe-wide. I don't know. But, like, so, if you were to look at, um, even, like, Macron, like, it's like, there was, like, that one picture of, like, Macron, like, all excited, like, hugging these, like, Somalis in, like, their apartment, what have you. I also just... Recently heard in I think I think it was France. They're like, um, they're like passing laws to like subdue these, Mus- like these immigrants that are speaking out against the French government. It may it may have been a different country, but I was I I'm pretty sure it was France that was passing these things. Okay. Um, sorry. No worries. We can we can cut out. Oh no! I was just kind of hoping that like um, this would be quicker, but like when I type in French people into Google Image, I don't know. Oh, well, what? That's interesting. So, <laughs> well, they did have their open borders policy, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like the because of their their open borders policy, it's like it basically forces all these migrants into the country, and then at that point, like you no longer have a homogenized society where it's like you like I mean like China. China's purely just Chinese, and like Japan, Japan is just for the Japanese. But at the same time, like Japan also knows that they're not going to allow, like, other people to claim residency, so they'll never give, like, you the ability to become a Japanese citizen within your lifetime there. Isn't it possible if you marry a J- Japanese person? I I don't think so. Oh, well. I think that, like, like, even in that situation, like, you're never going to be, like, the Japanese person may be considered a citizen, but, like, uh, you yourself will still be an outsider. What about their kids? I think the kid will be allowed. But, like, that's about it. Interesting. But, like, so in that situation, it's like, you're you're having, like, all these cultures that are that point mixing, and then you, like, what happens in these town halls? It's like, it's the same thing that happens here, where it's like, you have all these people who are just, like, claiming that, like, this racism and stuff like that. Like, it, it's just, like, different, like, things dividing people apart. Hmm. As opposed to just having one monolithic culture, which at that point saying, like, hey... I don't agree with this, and then at that point, like, basically fighting for it. Like, it's like, in a sense, like, if we knew ourselves that, like, welfare is bad for people in general, and that basically there's different systems that are better for them, like, I mean, even just outright going, like, finding some sense of work, mm-hmm. like, within a society that at that point fosters people coming in that don't currently have jobs and then basically create this whole welfare state for them, then at that point you're then going to have an active party fighting for the things that are terrible for people. Interesting. Um, I do see the argument there, but I also see benefits to freedom of movement as long as there is no welfare state. Like the welfare state is the issue. Mm. Are you not for freedom of movement? Um, like, for example, like there's freedom of movement between the states. What is the difference between the movement of the states and the movement between countries? I, I think that if you wanted to travel as in to visit, I don't have an issue. As in to, well, I mean, except if you're Chinese. Then. No traveling, because Wuhan. Yeah. But, um... Oh, man. Have you seen Iran? Iran? Yeah. Like, what? 
part are you talking like? Like the, I ran this I ran this week, where it's I like, haven't I haven't heard anything. So the it was like Monday, it's like um, they got two cases of the Wu flu. Oh no! So it was like within the same two like these two people got infected, and they died by the end of the day. Because of the infection. Okay. So How old like, were they? Huh? How old were they? That I'm not entirely sure, but it's one of those that like. The same two people that were, like, found positive were then basically found dead by the end of the day. And then at that point, it's just, like, it then grew to, like, 56 the following day. Jeez. And, yeah, so then it's, like, but then the worst part, which I'm kind of curious to hear, is that, like, Iran was having their, like, national election on Friday, which would be yesterday. Mm -hmm. But they are the dum-dums that basically have this whole thing where they dip their fingers in ink. Ah. Yeah. So then basically if one person is sick... Dips it into the oil supply. The rest of them are basically catching. That stuff's nasty. It doesn't come off for like a week. Like, goodness. Well. And, and according are, to are you are you dodging my question about freedom of movement? I just wanted to just mention that real quick because like, even the CDC came out with have you saying that like oil uh, that the, the disease can live on a surface for ten days. Yep. Yikes. I don't like the Wu flu, but I don't think it's as big of a threat in the United States. Once it becomes a threat in the United States, then I will be concerned. But then await the ending of this episode. Oh dear. Anyway, back to freedom of movement. <laughs> so, like, I I feel that you can travel like in and out of the country, like travel, and but the idea being is that you then at the end go back to your respective country. So, for example, like when you. Like, when you have moved in the past, do you feel like you should have gone through borders and should have, like, had restrictions placed upon you? If if I'm a citizen within the States, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, but what's, I, but what's the difference? Like, because California is vastly different from Texas. So, like, that's what I'm saying. California is vastly different from Texas. New York is vastly different from, I don't know, um, Florida. And people are moving between those countries with no issues, or not countries, between those states with no issues. Um, and then you can look at, like, California and tech, or Mexico. The culture in Mexico is vastly different, but then when they come in, I do understand they tend to vote blue, but I don't see their, I don't see their, I don't see a difference between the moving between states and moving between countries. I feel that when you're a country, you have a specific... Like, if you are a person of a, a country, you decide that you're going to become part of the monoculture. Okay. Whereas a, like, as in, like, the differences between states, I feel that, I mean, like, if you were to look at, like, Mississippi, Louisiana, and stuff like that, like, like they can consider themselves, like, different states, but they all kind of share the same sense of, like, we're the South. Right. Like, it's like, we share, like, that monoculture. So, I, like, I feel like, it's like, within America itself, like, we have, like, 50 different, like, unique, like, ideas going on simultaneously. But there is a, like, a bond that transcends the, each individual state. Because we are the United States? In a sense, but, like... But, but like, it's, it's more... I, I honestly don't understand the... Because to me, the differences between California and Texas, for example, are so different. I don't, I don't see the, but we, but I don't we, see the reason in staying together. Even like, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not working, it's not good for the kids. Like, well, I, I would also say that that's kind of like why each state is an experiment, where it's a, it's allowed to kind of do what it's wanting and you then choose to move there because you kind of agree with the ideas of the experiment. Kind of, because federal oversight now is ridiculous. Like, there is the power of the federal government trumps nearly every single state government. Sure, I mean, I mean, I don't disagree with you when it comes to those things, but like, I feel that each individual state does still have a personality to itself. I agree. I agree with that. That's what I'm trying to say. But is your argument that like? The monoculture, is that what you called it? Yeah. The monoculture is so strong here and so vastly different from other... I mean... Like, what about from Canada to America? That, I mean, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, there's a complete difference in 
like how we as Americans act versus the Canadians. Right. Like Canadians have a complete like humbleness. They're nice. Yeah. We're not. Yeah, and that's cool. Like <laughs> But like what the about meek do not inherit the earth. <laughs> that's blasphemous. <laughs> um what about like from other first world countries like Australia to America? Yeah, I think it, it, it I mean like I would say that is it just like adaptability because they lived in a first world country they can adapt to the culture quicker and like assimilate but i mean I, like i guess i'm trying to kind of see where, why i guess how you got there um like i'm just because i feel like there's not an issue with most people if a person from a first world country moves to our like moves to america however if they come up from mexico or latin america then there's like oh they're different and they're bad. No, because I guess to me, it's like, if you go through the process of, like, going through, like, customs and what have you, and then going through the whole, like, application process, like, I don't think that most people have an issue with legal immigration. Like, if you are a legal immigrant coming from a different country with the idea that you're not, that you're going to be a net positive in the country and not a net negative, like, welfare dependent, then at that point, like... How do you illegal... Immigrate, immigrants get on welfare. Um, like, don't you have to have a social security number for that? Like, I've never understood that. Like, and, uh, like I don't know how they receive welfare from the federal government if they're not allowed to be here. Illegals? Yeah. I mean, I would say that Texas and California, which is actually the, they both have, is that they both have like things where they just kind of look the other way when it comes to oh, really? those things. Like, I know like Texas offers like free college, what have you, to like to illegal immigrants and so does uh, um, California. Um, really? Texas does? Mm-hmm. I not that. that was uh, when it was one of the issues that like Alex Jones had early on with like Rick Perry uh, when he was governor. It was just like this whole like the huge bowing down to like all the immigrants. Hmm. Um, but like I see economic advantages to freedom of movement. However, the like with the welfare state, they also be, can become burdens. I think that if we were to look at the idea of like how much are burdens versus how much are like helpful, I that's my estimation, ninety five to like five. Ninety five percent burden to five yeah. percent benefit. Yeah. I guess it's like. Uh, but at the same time. You are way more optimistic about humankind than I am. Well, right. Like, I just have an issue with the argument, or, like, the saying, oh, they're taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that, because if they are taking it, are they more qualified? Or, like... You're just basically like, going it, to the lowest common denominator. Well, yeah, but, like, did you lose your job? No. It, I mean, I guess it depends on... Like, the- for me, I have not lost my job yet. Have you lost your job? No, but at the same time, like, if I was in the tech sector, though, any of the H-1B-1, like, like, like Indians coming here, like, I would have lost my jobs to them. Oh, well. And that's not even, like, farming stuff. Like, yeah, I, I'm strictly thinking farming, honestly. Like, yeah. because I have, are they more qualified, though? That is also suspect, because there's a lot of just, like, paper mill, like, college diplomas over there. Hmm. So then at that point, basically, they come here and they have to go through this whole, like, retraining process, along with having to then the whole language barrier. Are they paid less? I've heard they're basically paid at the same level. Or a little bit less, but not substantially. So wouldn't the paying less of their employees translate to savings for the customers? Then let's hire all women. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if... I feel like this should be like a good room shot. Yeah, that that was that's pretty good because the wage gap, you know, just in case you didn't didn't catch it. Um, but like, if they if they're paying their workers less, that translates directly to savings for us, I, which would be a boon to the general populace. I, I think that when you have a company that is already looking into like figuring out ways to play their employees less. That they're not transferring the savings on to the customers. 
is just more to widening their pop. Like this is where I would agree more with like that movie. Really? Where it's like that. It's like this is just more like um, malevolent type of like. Okay, so they're increasing their bottom line, right? Yeah. What do they do with that? I mean, give their money to Hillary Clinton. You'll find that a little later. Okay. So, they increase their bottom line, like Jeff Bezos, for example. Yeah. He's ridiculously, yeah. insanely rich. Or basically, he makes like $16 million a second, or something like that. That's crazy. Or a minute. So, it was something like that. Someone pointed it out. But, it's not like he has, how how much is his net worth? Like $100 billion? I think he is like, I think, $200 billion? $200 billion, no. He's the richest man in the world, yeah. He, yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's like him and not Mark Zuckerberg, I think it's someone else. Warren Buffett. <laughs> I think Warren Buffett's actually pretty low on the totem pole now. Yeah, because Warren Buffett, his whole thing is just that like he was just a very cautious, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Bill Gates actually is. It is? Um, uh, Putin, according to this. Hey. Believe it or not, if you look at Russia, back in like 2000, and then basically look at the GDP for like Russia after Putin came into office, and then see where it is at now, like Putin was basically a godsend to the country. Now you can argue... Carlos Slim. Carlos Slim is very shady. He owns a third of the New York Times, which is why the New York Times will never question immigration policies. Warren Buffett is 72.7. But, yeah, and he lives like in a small like ha- like ranch house in Omaha. Yeah. Um. But all I'm saying is like Jeff if Bezos is a, is extremely rich. Yes. That translates to cheaper products for us. Does it? Um. How much do you pay for your Amazon Prime? Uh, I pay nothing because of the .edu accounts. Oh, well. <laughs> that's the government, so. But, um, what I'm saying is, like, you go on Amazon, you search anything, you can buy anything. Mm-hmm. Ease of life. It's cutting down on the scarcity in the world. Like, we live in a scarce world. Like, resources are scarce, so, like, things cost money. But, like, because there's this monolith of a company... That we can all just go to, and and he's extremely rich. I don't think just because he has a hundred million dollars or a hundred billion dollars or however many billions of dollars he has, he um he's automatically like just keeping the profits. It's not like he has this I, much money in his bank account. He has like, but I, I don't see it always transferring to the benefit of his employees. That like the people at the warehouses and what have you. I'm saying more like consumers. I mean, yeah, I guess, like, in terms of consumers, I, I guess, like, let's see. Because employees, that's a voluntary association. Like, they can leave, they can... Like, so, if, so if... in this argument, basically, we're not considering employees. It's just purely the transaction between a customer and the business. Yeah, a corporation and the business. Or, or, or a customer. Yeah. So, I, I guess the one argument I would say is that due to, like... I don't know if you would say price, price gouging, but, like, you, you pretty much almost driven every other competitor out of business. Is price gouging bad? I, to the consumer, no. Because at that point, you benefit in terms of having something cheaper. But I would say that technically, like, it took away borders, books, and music. I would say, like, something like that, like Amazon existing, took, like, a bunch of bookstores that I had perused over the years. Right, but then you switched to Amazon. Mainly because they became de facto afterwards. Well, yeah, but I I just don't see the I I do see the like sentiment. Like it's sad that your bookstore like disappeared. Yeah. But the market demand created this instead. But in some of those, like I didn't even use Amazon at the time, it just basically the market just took it away from me before I had a choice. Right. But there are like every every vacation I go on, I find a bookstore to go into, mm-hmm. like a like a mom and pop's yeah. shop. They are still there. If the if the um, if the demand is still there, if the customer base is still there, it's gonna be there. If 
if the customer base wasn't loyal enough, it switched over. Like every every place I've gone, I found an awesome bookstore, like to go in and buy a book. And I guess maybe the weird thing is, I find company loyalty to be an odd thing that people develop. Okay. Uh, it's something abstract, but it's something I guess. Would... If you find it odd, why do you find it odd that Amazon happened to take the place then? Um. I mean, it's, it's also an examination of myself, where it's like, I, I do find it odd, where it's like, this is a, just like a generic entity, like, it's like the, like, me having a bond with this table, like, this table has no feelings towards me. But you it, wouldn't want to get rid of it? I mean, I've had this table for so many years. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, but, like, I have no, like, like, I mean, I haven't gotten rid of it, but at the same time, like, this thing has no emotion towards me, the same as, like, Amazon. Amazon is just like views me as a dollar bill, so I guess like the idea of like having like a like a one way relationship seems odd. Right. So if it's odd, then why is it odd that a new thing could come along and crush it? Um. Did the bookstore that you used to go to, like, have a two way relationship? Like, you knew the owner, and like, or was it more like they saw you as a dollar bill as well? And you just happen to like the atmosphere. Okay, so in that, for bookstores, I mean, I would say that, that I've always had, like, a dollar bill transaction. But, like, in, like, video games and stuff like that, like, I've known the owner and stuff like that. Okay. And then at that point, it's just like, hey, like, I know you. And it's just like, like, there's, I mean, when I was younger, I was clumsier. And, like, I would, like, forget to bring my credit card or what have you. Yeah. And then it'd just be like, all right, well, listen, like... Like, I won't sell this to anyone. I'll hold it overnight or what have you. Just come back a little bit later. Yep. I, I know your face. And, like, there's that personal relationship, which at that point, once you get replaced by, like, mega corporation, it's just like, yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah. Um, I see that, like, the places I've been to those bookstores, like, the owner is always the one running the cat, like, cash register. And that, I think, is... And so, like, I, like, they always like, can I help you? Can I, like help you find anything and so they're always able to like speak with you and like I don't know so if there's a personal contact there I feel like they're gonna stick around also yes I enjoy how this went from republicanism <laughs> and we barely touched on how they didn't like how they just rolled over and died and then just went to capitalism and this is the this true, is just this the true capitalism love story episode that was supposed to happen for weeks <laughs> Honestly, like, this is all I've been, like, reading about. I'm reading Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, mm. and I feel like, I don't know, I, things make more sense to me. You read um, Thomas Sell. Um, yeah, I have. Um, what's but, it called? Basic Economics? Have oh, you read I, don't, that? I don't have Basic Economics. I have uh, uh, Intellectuals in Society. Have you read Basic Economics? No, it's one of those, like, I want to buy it, but, like, when I went to... I think it was Barnes and Noble's. They had it for like four years. Like, yeah, um, Henry Hazlitt, economics in one lesson is like Austrian economics at its finest. Like very basic. I understand it, and like it's helped me make arguments today. So, speaking of, did you? This seems like something you would have brought up, but like, did you ever see the AOC comment? <laughs> Milton Keynes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That was so funny. Famed economist, Milton Keynes. What the heck? I, do you think she was just confused? Like, I know she was trying to go for John Maynard Keynes. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm sure that's her homeboy. That's her, like, Keynesian economics. That's what she Obama. is. Yeah, that's what she is. Like, anything like socialist, anything state mandated, John Maynard Keynes. And then Milton Friedman is, like, Austrian economics. The opposite. The opposite. Is so, he still alive? I don't think so. Because he was alive in that documentary you watched. Yeah, I don't think he's still alive, but his son is alive. He's an ANCAP, like David Friedman, but he's kind of a... um, Crazy? No, he's not crazy. He's kind of weak. Like, his arguments are... So, like, Rand Paul? Yeah, like Rand Paul Libertarian. (laughs) He's like a a Rand Paul to the um, ANCAP ANCAP movement. Um, Is Milton Friedman alive, though? I... (laughs) Milton... Uh, I think he's dead. I think. 
I actually no, he died in two thousand six. Oh, so he died two years after that movie. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Free market capitalism has, or I don't know if it's free market capitalism. I market based, a market based society. Unregulated by the government, unregulated, unregulated by a government, um, has potential to increase living standards beyond what we can fathom. Sure, and this is also how you end up being three percent economy to my ten. <laughs> I still think that you. As Do you understand the labor theory of value? I still feel that you should be able to put like a price of what you want on what you're selling I and understand. let the market decide i understand the market <laughs> will decide but you can't put that um so like that's the communist mindset like oh i spent three hours making this pizza that makes it worth um how much do you ever, however much say a living wage 15 45 dollars this one pizza one measly pizza took me three hours to make so it cost 45 dollars yeah no <laughs> Listen, someone is willing to go to some, like, fancy Italian, like, New York, like, big place and spend $100. Right, that's the that's the reputation they have built. Yeah. But you can't just be some Joe Schmo and be like, I spent three hours making this. It's I, $45. I will. I'm going to set up a shop in the middle of the desert, and then at that point, due to scarcity, everything is going to be worth my value. Okay. Well... Bottle that, water, that two thousand dollars. That would be economically adv- ad, like advantageous, e- economically advantageous, and technically sound. Because if there is some person wandering in the wilderness that happens to have two thousand dollars in his pocket and is about to die, of course he's going to pay two thousand dollars for the water. So, but it's not like, oh, I spent. It's like, like explain art to me then, like, but, <laughs> like, he probably did like. The were you referring to a banana duct taped to a wall? Yeah, went for two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, so it went. So it was like it got so the same guy did it four times. It was like the first night it was like a hundred thousand, and then the following night he then did it for like a hundred and fifty, and then he then did it again on Thursday for two fifty. Like he made another. Yeah, like literally put a border frame and then taped the banana on it. Okay. The fourth night, though, that is where... Someone ate it? Yes. I thought it was him that ate it. No, no, it was some guy basically who was just like, listen, guys, I'm going to jail. (laughs) Just like... (laughs) Yeah, so, like, he spent how long on that? It's like, what, like two minutes? Two minutes. But people are willing to pay $250,000 for it. Value is subjective. Listen, all I feel is that you as a human being should be able to decide just... As long as other human beings agree with you. Yeah, we can all come to a consensus. I'm just saying, like, if if I, like, if I were to make a book, I feel that, like, if I were to say, hey, I think it's worth $10, but at that point, either you say no or yes, and then at that point, I can have a choice. Okay, so, in- so you agree with the fundamental, but your issue is with whether or not you put it on the market? In a sense. Like, I, like, I feel like I should be able, like... I just feel that the person who's doing the producing should have a say. That is all I'm saying. Okay, that makes sense. But like, I, it's like, I, I, I agree. But like, production cost me ten points. <laughs> <laughs> production, production drives the economy. However, in order for production to drive the economy, there needs to be consumption. It's circular. Yeah, I, so. I, I still don't know why that question cost me ten points. <laughs> because that is like one of the core tenets of communism. The labor theory of value is like I consider you sh- you put you put work in you get you get money out or you get value out like I, your labor has value. I if, feel like the like you have nothing to lose but change is like the the core value. Well, I say I say one of the core values. Um, I don't know. I don't know all that much about communism. I know that I don't like it and. I hate to bash on, like, radical ideologies because I have radical ideology as well. Mm-hmm. So, since I'm already a radical, like, how can I bash on other radicals? Yeah, but it's almost like horseshoe theory. I don't like horseshoe theory either. I'm more of a fan of the political... It's a the grid. xylophone theory. What's the xylophone theory? <laughs> I was theory? joking. <laughs> the political grid, you know? So there's, like, left, right, up, and down. Yeah. So there's authoritarian and 
libertarian and then left and right. That's what I, I don't I don't necessarily think the horseshoe theory holds in most, in many cases. Well, I, I guess to me it's like more that like I feel that people are equally judgmental of like pretty much the exact same thing that they do. Yeah. Alright. Uh, uh, well, we love capitalism. Or I love capitalism. He's a communist. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> just throw me a gulag. <laughs> Gulags are apparently good somehow. They're gonna come back in style. Mm, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, leave it to Bernie. Breadline Bernie. Um. What's up next? What's on the docket? So, if you didn't understand how much I love capitalism by that last conversation, um, email me, <laughs> and I will send you a longer explanation. So, I feel that there's a sense, like, I I think this is a good idea for a topic, but it's just, like, almost like, I, I don't know. Um, what is it? So, it's a, I mean, I got two. This is a de-anonymization one. And then this is the... First of all, de-anonymization sounds like that you are unanonymizing your... Um, Let's look it up if that is a word. De-anonymization, because anonymization would mean to make yourself anonymous. And if you were to de-anonymize, that would mean to do the opposite of anonymizing. Oh, I guess you are right at the end. I knew it. Uh, Except the rule doesn't hold for de-thaw for some reason. So in that situation, basically, it's like when you're looking up the bits of information to then at that point come back to a collective person. I've showed my um, coworkers fast people search, and one of them was like, how do I get my information off here? I'm like, nah, I don't know. So, so we're going to talk about anonymizing. For a bit, because I really want to get to the end topic. Okay. Um, so... Kind of this entire thing, maybe this will just be something that I kind of bring up over a, ser a series of weeks, but it's just like, when you put stuff on the internet, regardless of what it is, like, you're putting, I mean, depending on how you kind of go about it, it's like, you could potentially just be putting stuff of, like, yourself out there, and at that point kind of like, not, I wouldn't say incriminating yourself, but in a sense, like, attaching yourself to whatever. Mm. So... Going back to the whole 33 bits of information, this is basically a, a confined list of, like, I would say the more damning parts of the 33 bits. Like your full name, location, your social, date of birth, email accounts, passwords, your mother's, mother's maiden name, your employment info, your financial info, your mobile number, your social media, and family and friends. Okay. And in reality, if you if you think about this for a sec, it is not that hard to basically, like, think of someone that you know and then do this yourself. Okay. And it's just like, if if someone were to just think of some generic profile that someone has on Facebook, it's like, at that point, it'll tell you, like, oh, I work at, like, I don't know, Krusty Krabs. Yeah. And then at that point, basically, you then know this person is making just, like... And even on Facebook... Or with uh, furthering the yeah. bits of information on Facebook, you have um, you can go into their profile and look and see who they're related to. So you can get their mother's maiden name. Yeah. Base like even if their mother's maiden name isn't on there, you can go and find her mother and then yeah, see what their name is. So, so it's like you pretty much can kind of deduce it just even by going to someone just Facebook profile, like their family and friends. Not that hard. Their social media, they'll probably make a post at one point saying like, "Hey, follow me." Like, follow my Instagram here, or follow what have you. It's like, some people are dumber and put their mobile phone number and send like, hey, like, here, please call me, or what have you. Yeah. I mean, I, that one, I've never seen as much. I have seen it. I have seen, it's pretty prevalent where I have traveled, mm. and they, like, post there. Except they have, like, 12 numbers, mm. so. Um, email accounts, I mean, I guess this mattered more back in early 2000s. Um... But then it's like your full name is not that hard to deduce through a Facebook account mm -hmm. or even fast people search. Unless you're like me and just can only be found through proxy. But that's also... Speculation. Yeah. Could, it could pop up. At, I'm going to search again right now. All right. But um, continue with your thoughts. So 
the way that it just kind of has been described is like it's not like all these things are going to hurt you at once. It's kind of basically like death by a thousand cuts. Okay. It's like there's a I don't I don't get the the need, but people basically over the years have felt the need to just kind of divulge their personal information on the internet. Maybe just because of my age, I come at a time where you were constantly told, don't put your information out there. And that always stuck with me. And then basically watching people just use, like, here's my full first name. Oh, I wonder why I was hacked. I don't know. It's like, it's like I wonder how someone made a credit card with my information. It's like, uh, once again, like... Still can't find myself. Yeah, well, uh, give it time. Give it time. It'll happen. Um, so, with that, I feel like, A, one thing that you should probably consider is, whatever you're putting out there, is it worth it? Like, in a sense, like, should you be putting this out there, and, like, what can happen to you if you put it out there? Right. So, it's like, think about, like, um, any email account that you have. Mm -hmm. Like, all your, like, anything that you sign up for, like, let's say if you decide, like, one email account, and then at that point has, like, the information for, like, your electrical bill, your gas bill, your car insurance, or what have you. If someone were to break into that email account, what do you stand to lose? Is it an argument of decentralization? That is one argument. So, like, you have a m- multiple accounts, just... Single, like, that is a way that you can basically kind of, um... Guard uh, against... Yeah, like, we're basic. How do you call it? Like, what's the, that the phrase where it's like you, you're staving off, or like, you're um, lowering your chances of, like, loss or what have you. Um, you're reducing your risk factor. There you go. That's the thing. I don't know. So, That's yeah. Really for, but that, that was what I was okay. saying. So, you're basically just uh, controlling your risk further. So, like, creating different forms of, like, emails, like, for each one. And equally, don't make it, e- like, easy for people to look up. Right. Um, there was an article that I was reading where it was, like, the, the whole thing was, like, one of the ways that they found this guy was because he used the email, like, pimpalex91 at, like, hotmail.com, where at that point, like, he gave away his name, and then he gave away his Pimp age. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I do that. Mm. No, I don't. I don't. I'm thinking of all my emails. Mm. Well, if you're wondering about our email, it's nospooksalotpod at gmail.com. Please email us. one bit of information that this podcast exists. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, decentralize it, have multiple accounts? Is that the idea? Would be a way to stave off risk of that way. So, like, if you're super concerned, have have an account for your car insurance, have an account for your... Yeah. But, like, that just gets tedious to me. It does get CDs, but then it's one of those things like, how much risk are you willing to accept? Like, are you, like, do you just have a financial email that at that point conglomerates all these things into one? And then at that point, then don't associate it with whatever you use for, like, public purposes. So then you can do that. But then also remember that at any point, like, this email could get hacked. So, yeah. Interesting. So... How would you stave off these other ones? Like, you can't really, like, hide your identity from... Um, I guess in that situation, you can also choose not to put a lot of this information out there. No one is telling you if you use a Facebook account to put where you work. Right. No one is telling you, basically, to list every place that you go out to, like... Or no one is telling you to basically put your full name out there, or even give your full name. True. Um... No one's telling you to put your date of birth, but more than likely people will start saying happy birthday. Actually, you had to. You can fake your date of birth. Oh, yeah, that's true. You don't have to put your real stuff out. Yeah, but I mean, the the issue would be that if you did that, someone can still deduce where you start getting a bunch of posts and what have you on a specific day saying happy birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, If they actually know your real birthday. Yeah. Okay. But you could just also save us off by not having social media. Not applicable. To I'm me, just joking. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like... Of course you can have not have things, so... Yeah. I, I just live in a cabin in the woods. A stream. I would agree. Um, but, like, 
I feel there's a lot of stuff where it's like you can basically kind of start working towards. Like, I mean, this is... I'm not even scratching the surface in terms of, like, the, the massive amount of paranoia that you can start having. But, like, I would say, though, in consideration, um, any company that you can think of that, pre- that pretty much uh, exists on the internet or what have you, mm-hmm. like Facebook, Google, MSN, or Microsoft, Yahoo, they're all a part of the PRISM program. PRISM? With an M? Yes. Okay. Which basically was something that was uh, the WikiLeaks put out there, essentially saying that the NSA pretty much has a central server within all their like uh, like buildings. So then at that point, all the information that goes through the through their stuff then also goes to the NSA. So the NSA then makes a copy. Mm-hmm. So consider that when you're basically giving your information away, that you really in a sense don't have much privacy when it comes to the internet. Is it possible accepting living in a cabin in the woods to not give your information away? In what sense? Like, for jobs, you have to do it. For... Well, how much... I, I guess when I Like, think for example, most jobs nowadays, you need to have, like, in order to apply, you have to apply online. And in order to apply online, you have to have an email. Okay. So... You can't, like... That, I mean, that is an email, but if you don't touch anything to it besides just job prospects... Decentralization. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I guess, yeah, then. But, like, re- accepting, like, minimal use of... I guess social media is the biggest culprit. Yes. So if you just cut out social media, only use emails, and you diversify your emails, you're putting yourself at the safest... Some of the safest. I mean, the safest. But when they like flag that with the internet at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Except, it, like, but that that's not like really feasible mm. in this. Unless you're gonna own your own little bookstore, that's like gonna travel by word of mouth. Like, so um, I guess another thing is there's so like um, kind of going back to the whole thing how like they're part of the prison program. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like Proton Mail, which is what I use. Um, and then there's also Tutanota. <coughs> okay. But I don't use that because that came a little bit after um, Proton. But essentially the whole thing is just like it is encrypted throughout the entire process. Okay. And then at the same time it also has two-factor like authentication. Is that what you email me with? No. Okay. Um, mainly because it's a it's throwaway. Okay. Um, but like it, it's what I use for like personal stuff. Okay. Um... But essentially, you you attach a email that like, hey, if I lost my password, this is where I give like, please like send stuff into. So then you log in with that one, but then you log in with a second password. There's no what you call it. Security questions. Yeah, if you don't remember that one, your account is lost forever. So then really? the idea is that you then have two distinct passwords. So you have two passwords they have to log into every time? Yes. Okay. So then that way, basically, A, would make it way harder for someone to hack in because at that point they'd have to start over unless you're a moron and put password one, two, three both times. Did you do that? No. But okay. we'll get to the story of a man who did. Oh. Is that the last story? Yes. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. Um, so... Um, yeah, so this will be something that I'm just going to continue to like, circle back on. But, yeah. Uh, there's also Have I Been Pawned, uh, which is... I thought it was Pwned. Or Pwned, I mean, Pwned. P-W-N. Yeah. That helped me find out that I had been hacked. Yeah. So. That's also a good thing to kind of look at, so that way you can see if... Um, because even if you abstain from social media... There's still websites on the internet or, like, programs that you can sign up to that eventually could get hacked and then at that point leave you exposed. Mm -hmm. So that is a good way of kind of seeing, like, are your emails out there in the ether. Right. Um, So with that, um, we're going to then pivot to kind of the second to last story. (laughs) Minutes. Yeah. Um, So... 
I had mentioned that there was that story about the girl who was kidnapped or mm-hmm. what have you, and they found her dead. Yep. And then basically CNN put an article out there saying that, like, oh, why isn't the Amber Alert um, basically used for every child? And in it, it kind of said that it was like, there's been like 25,000 kidnap cases this year, but only, um, like, the Amber, Alert, the Amber Alert was only used, like, once. So with that, um, this kind of goes back to one of our earliest conversations before this podcast even existed mm. about Hillary Clinton. Yep. Um, Hillary Clinton, um, her emails, basically, were put out all over the internet. Um and then basically categorized through WikiLeaks. So, but one of the emails that you can read about is about Laura Silsby. And essentially, if you look up the Hillary Clinton email about Laura Silsby, uh, it's saying, hey, uh, we have a mutual friend in Haiti that you should probably help. Laura needs our help badly. So, when you eventually kind of put two and two together and you research uh, what happened in Haiti, you find out that Laura Silsby, who is basically the head of the Amber Alert system, is basically trying to abduct a bunch of children in a cargo trailer. And then basically she was found out by the ha- by the Haitian government and then at that point arrested. She was using the auspice of like some Christian church to do it, but then basically I mean, they saw through that and then arrested her. Um, so from that is why I then am bringing this whole thing up, is that Hillary Clinton seems to have a lot of interesting friends. That's true. <laughs> a lot of interesting connections as well. So... To dead people. Yeah, that is a true story as well. <laughs> um, so back in 2016 when the whole thing came out, um, like the, the WikiLeaks and stuff like that, um... A lot of uh, people in 4chan basically started organizing this email, kind of going through the whole, like, Clinton Foundation and their donor stuff. Mm. And they have this massive list, as you can see, right here. We will post this list. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing. It's You say that, but then it's like, I've never seen Google Doc... Okay, what? Okay, that... All right, went away, actually. But I've never seen uh, this before. Maybe I'll come up when it reconnects. But it used to tell me that, hey, we're going to delete this file. And so this is actually all the WikiLeaks um, like email categorized and asked like what... like the Just available on a Google Doc? Yeah. Because like people on 4chan went through all the, the WikiLeaks and then to that point categorized them by importance. So, yeah, as okay. you can see, this is like huge. That is huge. Um, but then this one organizes all her donors by how much they donated. And it's like, um, like, uh, 25 million. See, first person. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yep. Clinton Geistra. Enterprise. It's like, I'm assuming it's like their Clinton Foundation, but through like, uh, uh, the Canadian version. Fred Eichner. Um, which I had a thing. Eichner. Fred Eichner, yeah. Is that how you say it? Sure, I don't know. <laughs> Frank Greaser again. Uh, but, like, um, Children Investment Fund. So, I basically kind of went through it, and then you start um, Googling the the people on... Does it have, like, li- individuals? Just, like, random... Yeah, so, like, over here it has Richard and, and Jackie Caring, Gilbert R. Shigori, uh, Chrissy, or, no, that's an no, organization, Roy E. Cockrum, Stuff like that. That sounds like an unfortunate name. Yep. So, once again, so I, so one of the person on there, Stuart Raw. So basically, Stuart Raw was a guy, once again, this guy donated to Hillary Clinton. And it's just like, essentially, he's a billionaire that essentially started like sending out his sex tapes to all these people that he was filming out of his limousine. And it was just like, a lot. It's like basic. Think of him almost like Jeffrey Epstein because a part of the whole article is saying like the the ages on these girls were questionable. But in the end, like he never even got what you call it. Like he never got arrested. 
But this is someone that, like Hillary Clinton, the person that fights for women, supposedly, is friends with and then is willing to accept their money. Um, so then you go to this other person, um, Bernard L. Schwartz, where essentially he was a guy where um, during the Hillary Clinton like years in presidency, essentially the government then started using his satellites because he was the owner of a satellite uh, corporation. Okay. So it's, it's one of those, like, you just keep going where it's like, um, now this is another guy, but this guy, his story is just a little bit sadder. Uh, Arnold Simmons, and essentially his whole thing was he gave, like, herpes to some chick on a date. You can, once again, like, if you look through this entire thing, you then start finding, like, weird, like, stories of everyone that donates to, um, her. So then this this guy, um, Amar Singh, uh, who is currently dying, which is a lot of what you start finding out, um, he's currently dying, but in India, he was basically the equivalent of, like, this, like, um, massive manipulator, like, he's either the guy that you went to and you paid him money, and he was willing to, like, like change laws or get you any celebrity you wanted mm -hmm. and essentially um back in 2008 he got arrested because he like um had this whole thing where he was paying people to go in and vote in the opposite direction okay um let's see lewis b coleman i actually didn't find anything on him his wife basically was uh um did you just search random I just went through the list of, like, actual people and not organizations. Okay. And so like at the, random, or...? Yeah, so essentially, I just... Well, not at random, but I was just kind of going down the list as, like, as I saw just people who... Names. Mm -hmm. Or at least what I deduced was a name. Because some... Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, it's like... Um, there's this guy where it's a... I forget his name... Matthias Garfunkel, where basically it's like some guy in like Argentina who's a millionaire. Yeah. Who, it's like uh, him like taking photos with him and like dead animals with his wife. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, there was someone else that was. Uh, uh, um, also, there's this chick. Uh, do I have her name? I don't. Um, but essentially that he was, uh, th this girl is another donator to, like, uh, the Clinton Foundation, and essentially there was this massive, like, um, what do you call it, like, kill list of people that were gonna, like, this, like, um, gang was gonna kill, okay. and essentially she paid, like, like, half a billion dollars to just not be murdered, as opposed to, like, going to the police and saying, hey, everyone's gonna be murdered on this list. Sounds like capitalism. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so, it's like... But, like, in the end, like, you can just kind of... Um, when I first read through it, I remember there was some where, like, this guy went into a crowded, um, uh, like, a New York restaurant and basically pulled out a gun, started shooting at the ceiling. And it was like, I'm not going to get arrested. They can't do anything to me. And in the end, he wasn't. Like, basically, it was just like... There's a lot of people that I read through the list where it's just like... Hey, this person literally molested like twelve-year-old girls and got nothing done to him. And just like, you're free to look up like the 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 Clinton Foundation donor list. I mean, they have to make it public. But it's just like, and then at that point you start investigating all of them individually, and eventually you start finding weird crap for each of them. But the reason to then circle this back around is that the reason that these emails got out there was because of. Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. Okay. Her campaign manager literally was out there and put his password as like password one, two, three. Ah. So then, but they continued to say that he was hacked, but no one hacked him. It's just literally, he put the most simplest password out there. Ah. And then at that point, like, people were able to log into his email. I guess that's technically hacking. I mean, technically, the most... <laughs> Like lowest, lowest hanging fruit, but yeah. it, it's like the simplest form of hacking is guessing a password. But this is where, like, it. So the company that, um, like, I forget what the 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 hosting company would have you um, told him, like, hey, listen, you got hacked. You need to change your password. 
So then that. He changed it to one, two, three, four. Yes! Oh my goodness. So he got hacked again. What? Well, I think this just goes to show you that people aren't the smartest. Yeah, and people in positions of power that we assume that we can trust them are dumb. Clearly. <laughs> I would have to agree with that statement. Yeah. So, uh, how much time have you got left? I actually have to get going. Ah, because I was going to mention about the global lockdown. Oh, dear. No Wuhan today. Oh, that was... I mean, we, we had a little bit. I wanted to end it. A little bit. But, um... Uh, email us at nospooksalloudpod at gmail.com. Um, find us on Twitter at notspooky, with an I-E. Um, NSA underscore mod. Also, one-tenth of the planet is on lockdown. <laughs> yes. But that doesn't affect us in America, does it? I'm just joking. <laughs> I Washington has some. And also uh, California. California? Oh, yeah. California has 7,000 people in quarantine. Oh, jeez. Well... Stay safe, everyone. <laughs> um, uh, there's no, like, quote. Extra firm hold. Yeah, that never happens. What the? Paper me. You live here. I love you live here. I gave you a home. Now you live here. like a person. You live here. You are on